What is up, everybody? Welcome to Thursday the 22nd. Hopefully you're uh, having a good one. Uh, welcome to the 5th Best Movie Podcast. This is the podcast where we see what movie came in 5th in the previous weekend's box office results. We go watch that movie, we come back here, we podcast about it, and we have a generally good time. Even if it's a real shitty movie. Um, so please join us now on this cinematic roller coaster we call the 5th Best Movie Podcast. My name is John. I'm Aaron. I'm here. Aaron is here. He actually just got some some cool stuff from a, a local game shop, and so we're both enjoying some of that. Um, Aaron, on Tuesday, what movie did we see? We saw. Well, so your introduction made it sound like sounded like we watched a shitty movie because you, you I was, put a lot of emphasis behind that. I, but I want to draw some contrast to that. Perfect. Which I think maybe what you were going for. I was trying to throw him off. All right. Great. Um, we saw. I I had a great time with this movie. Yeah, uh, it was Love Simon, mm. uh, a movie I had previously been sort of dismissive of because I was not that impressed with the trailer, and I'll stand by that. But uh, I don't think the trailer represented the movie very well. Zero percent, especially half of the the first trailer we saw. Half of it was him talking to the guy with the leaf blower. I like your boots what yeah i like your boots and then you're like oh this did you did you think that he was gonna be the guy at the end he was was gonna be blue i had that thought he was he was in the mix for me no i didn't i didn't think of him i definitely yeah i guess we'll talk about it but i i uh i had my suspicions it was blue because i thought because it had to be someone you had already seen it would have been super shitty if it wasn't you mean what was the guy's name the guy's name was like darn or something it was it was a strange name i'll look it up uh, we saw Love, Simon, uh, and we were in the nice, comfy AMC theaters. Great people, great service, great prices, AMC. <laughs> Sponsor us. But before we get into Love, Simon, we need to talk about what came in fifth over this past weekend. Um, and what came through one through four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. What came in one through five total so uh this last weekend black panther came in first again tomb raider was number two it's debut week uh i can only imagine again another debut a wrinkle in time was fourth and then love simon with its debut at number five i think that the only thing to mention here is that black panther is still at the top and that's even not really worth mentioning because everyone kind of assumed or it's just we're expected to have a kick-ass marvel movie it's probably going to pass up star wars episode eight uh this coming weekend Ooh, really yeah there's a i mean there's a solid chance that it passes the avengers and gets to our favorite spot of all time <laughs> number five <laughs> that's right it could be the fifth highest grossing movie of all time oh i'd love that that could be a justification i mean we still are gonna have to wait and see to see if it comes down to number five for a box office weekend but i'm additional justification could be if it's the fifth movie fifth highest grossing movie of all time domestically i'm calling it when that when black panther drops number five that will be the weekend it becomes the top in it breaks the top five of top person of all time all right well it's a ballsy call but i'm calling it yeah, I mean, I don't know how <laughs> much... Skip ba- that's a Skip Bayless call. I don't know how much you've looked into the math on that. Um, <laughs> yes. All right, Skip. Zero, zero effort. <laughs> All right, Skip. Black Panther was number one. What about two through four? Uh, Tomb Raider, I can only imagine Wrinkle in Time and Love, Simon. Did you want another Skip Bayless line, or are you saying, did you actually want to know? 
No, I, I couldn't remember whether you had already said that or not, which I guess you did. I totally did, but it's okay. Looking at our predictions, Aaron got um, Black Panther, Tomb Raider at one and two. He put Wrinkle in Time at number four, which is right. So he got three for this week, which I think ties him with me because I put Love, Simon at number five, which means that uh, I think we're tied up now, officially. All right. Well... Even if we weren't, we can say we are and just blank slate going forward. Here we go. Zero zero going into the uh, going into the real meat of the, the spring season. So I think that I'm ready to talk about Love Simon if you are. Uh yeah. You got some stats? Yes I do. Okay. So Love Simon, again with its debut weekend out, it has grossed eleven and a half mil. On uh, IMDb, it got an 8.0 out of 10. On uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it got 91% on the tomato meter and a 92% audience score. And I think that's two weeks in a row, or is it three weeks in a row that we've had Certified Fresh? I think it's only been two weeks. It's two. Yeah, because before that was Peter Rabbit. And that was Guaranteed Fresh? No, not at all. Oh, oh, oh before last week? Oh, okay, yeah. Last week was Game Night, and then before that was Peter, Peter Rabbit. You're right. Yeah. Which is not guaranteed, right? That was, that was spoiled and rotten. Okay. Just like, which is so interesting because that garden is filled with certified fresh vegetables and I guess mainly vegetables. There's some fruits in there. There's probably some tomatoes in there. Guaranteed fresh. My ass. So, Love, Simon, like I was saying before, uh, it is starring Nick Robinson, Catherine Langford, uh, Alexander Shipp, Josh Dumal, uh, Dumel, excuse me, Logan Miller, um, who plays the uh, Tony Hale, Jennifer Garner, a lot of know. teens. Yeah, it's a teen movie. Uh, and then Bram is the guy that you're thinking of. Blue is Bram. Right. Yeah, Bram is played by Keenan Lonsdale. Cool. Um, Sorry so about the movie. What happened in it? I want to quickly ask you a question. Going into this, knowing what you know about Nick Robinson, everything, everything, and Jurassic World. Were you excited? No, no. He didn't really do anything for me in either of those movies. In fact, I think the I think the two brothers subplot is one of the weakest parts of Jurassic World, which is already a pretty weak movie. Yep. If you were um, strapped to a bomb and you had to defend Jurassic World, what kind of spin would you put on it? Like, what, what elements of the movie would you try and hype up as much as you could? The Jimmy Buffett cameo? Oh, man. I That's a great question. Um, <laughs> the needless killing of the secretary? I mean, that's certainly how Colin Trevorrow would defend it. Huh. That's like the part of the movie that he talks the most about. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. In, in his mind, it's like, that's what equality means. It's like, I don't... I don't... I, I don't even fucking want to complete this sentence because I just such bullshit. But anyway, that's not the mo- the movie we saw. Nick Robinson though, he's in it, but he's good in Love Simon. He's he's not a perfect actor, but he does the job. And like as far as teen movies go, he's pretty good. I, it's a good lead performance in a teen movie. Yeah, yeah. I thought he did a really good job in this, and I'm I'm excited for the like. For me to really enjoy another teen movie, teen movie kind of bringing me back to like when we were watching Mean Girls, uh, 
Princess Diaries, stuff like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. You ready for the Wikipedia summary? Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, granted, this is a this is a long movie, so it felt long to me at least. Totally, it was. It I was... think emotional movies feel longer. You yeah. Know? Yep. Here we go. Simon Spear is a closeted gay teenage boy attending high school in a suburb Whoa, of a spoiler alert. <laughs> Yep, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. He has a close, open-minded family, uh, parents Emily and Jack and sister Nora, and three best friends, Nick and Leah, who he has known most of his life, and newcomer Abby. Um, do you want to say who's acted by, or who's playing who, or do you just keep rolling? No, I mean, unless you unless you watch a lot of like teen stuff, you're, you're not going to recognize these actors, and if you do, like you don't need us to say their names. Yeah. Uh, one day, Leah tells Simon about an online confession of a closeted gay student at their high school known as Blue. Uh, someone, uh, Simon then proceeds to reach out to him under his own alias, Jacques. Uh, they confide very personal details, and soon he and Blue form a genuine connection. However, their emails are discovered by another student, Martin, who is infatuated oh, with what Simon's friend, shit. Abby. Martin, they they made they made you hate Martin so well, and I thought uh, the actor who played him was pretty good at it. Yeah, I mean, they really capture the essence of like just the annoying teenager. Yeah, who's like kind of on the social fringe, um, and is like he's trying real hard. Yeah, but also doing a lot of shit that you're like, no, just stop. Yeah, um, but at the same time, like he's not getting positive reinforcement from anywhere, so it's like. I don't know. He's going to keep bashing oh. his way through life. Oh, it's tough. It's real tough. I liked it when they, when uh, Simon told him that you don't need this many t-shirts with sayings on them. Yeah. Can you I, just see this kid, like, in a, in a year, he's, like, frequently posting on, like, uh, like Red Pill and, like... Uh, yeah. 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 Just see... Oh, my God. This is like the guy that that turns into the into the college neck beard. Totally. Um, I was surprised that we didn't see some sort of fedora or some bash on that kind of whole. Oh, he he was like a human fedora. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Granted, this is like he's still they they still play him as a way like where you can sympathize with him a little bit, but he's just making all these shitty choices. Yep. And fucking up other people's lives. So Martin, um, uh wants to get with Simon's friend, Abby. Abby is the newcomer. She moved to the town recently. After learning his secret, uh, Simon's secret, Martin blackmails Simon and forces him to, uh, forces him to help him win over Abby. Um, blackmailing him after reading some emails between, uh, Simon and Blue. Simon begins to suspect that one of his classmates, Bram, is Blue. At a Halloween party, he attempts to connect with Bram. However, Simon walks uh, in on Bram and a female student making out. Ooh, scandalous. Simon gets drunk at the party, and Leah walks in home and sleeps over. She speaks vaguely about feeling uh, that she is infatuated to love one person very intensely, and Simon believes she is referring to their friend Nick, a.k.a. Ronaldo, I think is who he was for Halloween. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I liked how they took, like, they used Nick as kind of the, not classic meathead jock, but kind of the boy in high school who does lazy Halloween costumes and stuff, and they give him a lot of shit for it. And then Nick, or excuse me, and then uh, Simon and Leah do a fantastic John Lennon and uh, Yoko. Yoko. Yeah, it's um, 
And then and then oh, Bram man. and then Bram had a pretty good one too. Yeah. So this this scene that uh, that John was just saying, where they're like, you know, they're drunk and like confessing things to each other, but not like saying the full truth. Uh, this is a scene that would exist in any other teen movie. Totally. And I really like that because you can totally see that like within within her own world, um, the fr- uh, Leah she is operating as like just the protagonist of her own teen movie where she's got this unrequited crush on her best friend yeah um of course that you know ends up not being possible right um do you remember what bram was for halloween bram was no i don't remember he was like vacation tropical barack obama oh that's after right his presidency yeah, post- pres- he was just he was just in a Hawaiian shirt and sipping like a Mai Tai or something. Oh, it was so funny. Okay. Um, later, Simon meets with Abby and Martin at a local diner after Simon convinces them to run lines together for an upcoming musical. Um, while at the diner, Simon bonds with their server and classmate uh, Lyle and believes that Lyle is blue. Um, this whole movie, Simon obviously kind of goes through and tries to... Um, pick out who this at the school is blue and each time he imagines blue sending emails they will uh impose whoever uh, simon thinks is blue at the time at the computer if that makes any sense yeah i had a little bit of struggle with this because on the one hand there's like the negative stereotype about gay men being um just really sort of sexually promiscuous and like willing to hook up with uh with any other uh with any other guy um and so seeing him like imagining himself uh having a crush on on these like three or four different men uh within the scope of this movie um was like a little bit you know it could be interpreted as being enforcing that uh that sort of stereotype but at the same time it's like this kid is a is a sexually frustrated teenager uh, who's like coping with not just not just like hormones in the way that people talk about like oh yeah kids raging hormones but also just like emotional frustration totally of, I of think like that's... not being able to talk about any of this with uh, with his friends and so I thought it was actually believable um, the way that he would be you know he would be so ready to project um, his feelings through this anonymous. Um, communication that he's having via email onto um, just about anybody that he finds attractive. That, I think that, I think that's exactly what it is. I th- it also kind of manifests in Nick learning that when Simon tells Nick, hey, Leah likes you, and he goes, oh, really? And it totally changes Nick's opinion of Leah. She's like, oh, well, I guess my hormones will lean that way. And so I think, I think that you hit it right on the head there. Yeah, it, like, it wasn't you know, it wasn't trying to say something about him as as a gay teenager. It was just something about... It was just him as a teenager. Right. Yeah. Um, so, we're at this point, Simon thinks Lyle, the server at the Waffle House, is blue. Martin and Abby start to grow closer. Later that night, Simon comes out to Abby and is encouraged when she reacts positively. At a school football game, he runs into Lyle and, asks, and tries to ask him, ask him out. Before he has a chance to, Simon finds out that Lyle has a romantic interest in Abby. Uh, and upset, 
Uh, an upset Simon tells a pestering Martin to either, quote-unquote, go big or go home with Abby. During the national anthem at the football game, Martin, dressed as the school mascot, seizes the microphone and declares his feelings for Abby in front of the entire stadium, but she admits she does not feel the same way. A, humi- a humiliated Martin becomes the subject of intense ridicule. So this is another part where Martin is living in his own teen movie, where like he sees himself as the protagonist and yeah. making this big... Uh, you know this uh, grand gesture is gonna is going to you know in that stereotypical way is gonna win him the affection of the girl he likes. Like th- think about it though. There's he that would be at the end of his movie. Exactly. He, yeah, yeah. He and he there's that there's that whole montage of Martin becoming better friends with Abby and she is uh, laugh. She's like getting to know him better and she's warming up to him and stuff is going good. Normally, there's some, like, breakup that happens before he does this giant romantic gesture, but... Yeah, oh, I'm so glad it was a red herring, though. I was real uncomfortable with all of that. Yeah, totally. On Christmas Eve, Martin impulsively posts the the screenshots of Blue and Simon's emails on the school gossip site, outing Simon by name. His younger sister, Nora, reports their abuse, and the emails are taken down, but not before they are seen by most of the students. This was a fantastic scene with the younger sister. Nora tries to confront her brother, but Simon shuts her out and does not return his friend's frantic texts. On Christmas morning, Simon comes out to his parents, much to their surprise, but acceptance. Um, Did you like this coming out scene? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard. Like, I don't know. This kind of goes for the whole experience of the movie of like, uh, be you know being straight I've never had to deal with the, this kind of stuff and so it's hard for me to say like oh yeah this seemed believable and this didn't um, but I thought it was well acted from all the all the family members I, I, I can't really grade it on you know on realism or, or that kind of stuff plus the fact that you know everyone's coming out story is going to be different right yeah no I totally agree with you there I totally agree. Later, Blue tells Simon that the two should stop speaking, and he closes his account. Uh, Simon was kind of nervous this entire movie about Blue getting kind of scared off, essentially, uh, if if something wrong happened, and that's what this is saying it to happen. After Christmas, Nick and Abby discover that Simon was manipulating Abby to try and get her to date Martin, and uh, and angrily confront him about the lies he's been telling. Leah confesses she was in love with Simon, not Nick, and is upset he came out to Abby first. Um, I totally understood what Nick was saying about not coming out to Leah first and coming out to Abby first because he wanted stuff to, quote-unquote, like, remain the same. And if he came out to her, it would change everything. Yeah, that was that was very well written. I thought uh, so. It, it was like, it made, it made total sense. I'm like, oh, man, you can just see that. At school, Simon tries to determine Blue's identity to no avail. In the cafeteria, Simon and another openly gay student, Ethan, are publicly humiliated. Ethan and Simon bond about the difficulties they have faced coming out. After school, Martin tries to apologize to Simon, who angrily rejects the attempt. Um, there's a there, So, at this point, when Ethan and Simon get kind of... They get bullied by these two anti-gay characters. The entire movie, the only thing that those characters do is just try and shit on the gay students yeah they're just your stock high school bullies and um the drama teacher comes out and steps up and defends martin or excuse me simon and ethan 
And then so these bullies get sent to the principal's office. Ethan and Simon are asked to come in and uh, and these two bullies are supposed to apologize. But then, we were talking about this earlier, but then the vice principal makes this joke at the gay student's expense. This is Tony Hale from Arrested Development and Veep. Oh, yeah. And then the bullies kind of get the last laugh. Like, I mean, they actually get the last laugh in this scenario. What do you think about that? Well, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, it was like, it feels a little bit realistic of like, yeah, you're not going to have the, the like woke teacher that's going to come in uh, and save the day and is going to give the bullies what they deserve. Like that's not necessarily going to be how things resolve. Uh, in fact, it's not even that likely that that's going to be where it ends. Like, probably the bullies are going to get away. So th- there's like a certain realism to it, uh, but it's like it's a realism that sucks. And coming where it did in the movie, it's just like, oh man, I thought we were, I thought we were like coming up from out of the out of the shitty part. And it's like no, there's still there's still some shit that you got to deal with, even when things are starting to get better. You want, I don't know. You want, no, I totally understand. You want the faculty, if they're going to champion defending the gay students at the school, you want it to be a, a almost entire trial with these bullies and you want them to be punished for it. But at the end of it, all they have to do is just say sorry, snicker at the gay students, and then they're able to walk away scot free, which is annoying. But I totally see what you're saying. Um, faculties in lots of parts of this country, lots of parts of, the country that are in support of that community, they, they might not even be able to defend or they might not want to, or there's just so much issues with that. I totally see what you're saying. Um, I wouldn't even say in lots part of that. I think it's, you know, everywhere in the country, unless you're in like really exceptional circumstances, like, you know, we're, we're just not there, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. That, that kind of clears it up a little bit better for me because I thought it was a shitty thing to end on. Uh, in that in that conflict yeah i think narratively it it made the you know it made the the clean sort of resolution that you're that you want made it less clean um but at the same time like yeah that's that's real after school martin tries to apologize to simon who angrily rejects the attempt this is where the only f-bomb in the movie is dropped and i thought they used it so well martin is saying that i should have done what i did I'm really, really sorry. And then Simon goes into saying, me coming out is is something I get to choose when, how, and who I come out to. And you took that away from me. And then he ends he ends the, the interaction with dropping an F-bomb on Martin. And I think that it was the perfect place to use it, especially how they wrote that scene. I thought it was fantastically executed. Yeah, it was a well-written scene. I thought Nick Robinson acted that bit so well yeah that was his i mean that was probably the you know the biggest scene from him after his parents reach out and comfort him simon apologizes to leah admitting he was in love with blue leah helps him make amends with nick and abby who are now a couple simon then posts a confession seeking out blue and asking him to come forward waiting for blue at the school carnival simon rides the ferris wheel drawing a large crowd of peers until he runs out of tickets this Wikipedia thing decides to just focus on the weirdest details and yeah, it's not... Yeah, sk- it skipped over a ton of shit. <laughs> and then it talks about running out of fucking tickets. 
Martin then comes forward and to make amends buys him one last ride. It is revealed that Bram is blue. The kiss, uh, the kiss Simon saw with a female student was a drunk misunderstanding. Simon and Bram ride the Ferris wheel together and kiss at the top. Simon's life gradually returns to normal as Simon reconnects with his friends uh, and family and begins a re relationship with Bram. And that is Love, Simon. Um, there is a great scene between Simon and his dad that they kind of glaze over. A great scene that Simon has with his mom who is a psychiatrist that they glaze over, but that ending is so powerful and emotional that uh, it, it is, it is, it is a perfect kind of, it's just, it's your, you know, it's your storybook ending for, for a teen romance movie. Like, and the fact that, you know, the fact that it, this was about a character who's struggling with coming out, uh, just made it, you know, more powerful. But the core of it is something that, is uh you know relatable to everyone of of like you know finding that first love yeah uh, so they took that core and built on it in a really you know a really important and effective way yeah did you have any general thoughts you wanted to bring up yeah i mean i think that um i don't know i think like one area that we probably need to steer clear of like actually trying to provide any answers for but i think is just important to raise is you know talking about kind of the the relatability of this movie and the role that privilege plays on in this like this is a movie about uh about a uh you know very upper uh, upper middle class suburb uh and so the you know the experience of like what it means to be uh coming out in in high school in that kind of environment versus other environments and like just the way that other dimensions of privilege uh interact with that like um you know the fact that uh the fact that he's white the fact that he's cisgender the fact that he's male the fact that he's got a supportive family like you know different different dimensions of privilege that don't like don't they don't cancel each other out but they um you know affect what your experience is going to be um you know that I don't know. It's just important to realize that there's parts that they were able to kind of connect to a more quote unquote mainstream audience by, you know, okay, maybe he's gay, but he's also going to be very normative in all these other ways. I, I see what you're saying. And I took that, I honestly took that as maybe they don't want to overload the country is <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think that it's just kind of shitty that that has to be a consideration, right. if it is. I mean, it, I could be, you know, completely making that up and making assumptions. One of my general thoughts that uh, <clears throat> I had was kind of springboarding off that. And I think it's kind of, it's kind of just a goofy thing to say because I, I liked that they took the spirit of the teen movie in all senses, especially with the time that each character had in the morning to get up, eat breakfast, go get coffee, meet with friends, and then get to class. I'm pretty sure I had 45 minutes to get to school. Obviously, that's because I chose to get up later. But I had not, not nearly that amount of time in the morning. I like how they kept that from the other teen movies. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, and the the fact that like the little sister is cooking all their all their meals for them, and like he's got a hot breakfast that's like some fancy oh thing every morning. You know, he's not just like 
pouring cereal into into a bowl, <laughs> like realizing that he only has enough milk for half a bowl. <laughs> Like, he even bled into him taking one bite of food and leaving, which happens in every movie where there's some sort of breakfast to be eaten before work or, or school. There's always one, mm, tastes great, gotta go. And they bolt out the door to get in the car and go. But I think, it's a, I think it's a great statement that this movie was making intentionally of, like, you know, there's no reason that we can't apply all these tropes totally. that have been exclusive to telling stories about heterosexual people. There's no reason we can't apply them uh, to this story. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a there was a comment on that when he imagined him going to the liberal college. Oh my god, that that was a funny scene. Yeah, and Just so the they, fact that it was called liberal college. Yeah, they do poke fun at it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Did you have any other general thoughts you wanted to bring up? Um, yeah, I think kind of with regard to that, um, this movie had sort of your typical second uh, second act arc where the friends all like everybody gets caught in a web of lies that the um that the main character is responsible for instigating and uh the friends all get mad at each other and get mad at him uh and then he has to like make up with them uh, at the end of the movie but i think the way that it was contextualized in this just made me feel like the friends were being kind of shitty like normally it's that the you know normally the main character is self-absorbed and doesn't realize the the troubles that they're causing for their friend and they have to like get over themselves but the shit that he is dealing with is not trivial at all and compared to what they're i mean obviously they're all teenagers and they're all dealing with like typical teenage drama um but for them to put you know they never put it in that perspective of like you know yo he's he's dealing with like some life-defining shit and you're mad at him that you know he lied to you about who's got a crush on who yeah i i i think that it's realistic in the sense where a teenager wouldn't be able to see outside of themselves that much to say well my friend is going through some stuff i think that their mind would stop at why are they doing this to me right this is happening to me did the writers need to implement that to add more to the conflict probably not but it was definitely realistic that's true that's very true i just like i can't stop thinking about like if simon didn't do this if he is i'm gonna say he i'm just gonna make this up say there's some land where like he was able to get through this conflict without without the pain he did and he was able to do it quick the two friends like they would have gotten together maybe three days before they did yeah yeah he really doesn't (laughs) like the troubles he causes in their lives are not really big issues yeah because everything works out which is which is super funny yeah and honestly like just as as it was sort of getting away from uh uh as it was sort of getting away from his own experiences and like the way that he's dealing that simon is dealing with each individual person um and got more involved in this tangled web of lies the movie did kind of lose me for a bit totally just because i i was more invested in the narrative like oh who's who's blue gonna be is he gonna get his heart broken um you know is what's gonna happen when he comes out to his parents like all this stuff yeah uh i'm ready to do high points and low points if you are yeah for sure um what was your low point if you have one uh so my 
other than just kind of generally getting lost in the second act with there being too much going on with the web of lies um i do think my low point was actually the the trailer for this movie where it was like oh yeah it put a lot of emphasis on this on this scenario where like what if uh you know what if all my straight friends had to come out to their parents as straight it shows the the parents reactions God. and that ended up being this this like hypothetical thing but the the movie trailer like where he's just imagining that but in the movie trailer it made it seem like this was going to be something that the plot hinged around and i was just not looking forward to that because i was like okay this is this is just a dumb thought experiment um but you know it ended up being just a, a very small part of the movie I'm also bummed that I even saw the trailer that included that because I would have I thought that would have been very clever and funny if it was like a little bit fresher in the movie, but they used it in all three trailers, and so they really made you believe that it was going to be a bigger point. Yeah. What about you? What was your low point? I really liked the movie. I, I there's not that much I can whine about in in when we sat down in the movie theater and watched it. So I'm gonna say the fact that his sister made like really delicious looking breakfasts and he only took a bite of each. <laughs> yeah. What a nice. bummer. She made these like coconut pancakes. She made him a fucking breakfast. I was also hungry <laughs> when we saw the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of hungry now. And so there's like, a, she's like, I made you a breakfast burrito. He takes one bite. He's like, mm, it's great. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Cause I was not hungry when I watched it. And all of those part, all those scenes. I was like, "All right, move, move along." <laughs> yeah, my I was my mouth was watering. <laughs> nice. Um, what about your high point? Oh man, I had a lot. Like you said, I I really liked this movie. Really enjoyed it. I probably, you know, uh, between like kind of tears in my eyes versus like actual crying. Um, I was all over all over the scale at various points of the movie. Um, but I think the one, it was such a small scene, but it just hit so hard is when um, it's right after, um, right after Martin has like shared uh, Simon's emails on the, on the school, um, like unofficial school blog that everyone checks. It's like their Facebook page, but not Facebook. I don't know, Instagram, whatever. Um, but so he he was just dealing with the fact that you know he's been outed as gay um you know without his permission to the whole school uh and his sister comes in the room um and he like snaps at her super hard and is like you know really mean to her but you can tell that he doesn't mean it and she reacts and you like you know how much they love each other and they're just you know she's catching at him at just yep. you know this this awful point um and it was acted really well from a couple of of young actors um yep uh that just made it feel super real um so small scene but really really liked that that was i that was a very good scene i totally agree my high point <clears throat> was it the dad tears i was gonna say my high point my emotional high point or I guess low point in this case, no high point. It made me feel a lot. Was the scene with um, Josh Duhamel plays the dad and um, and Simon. I think because that scene was pointed at me. 
you know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. It's the scene for straight guys. Totally. It was... Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's like, you know, the dad kind of dealing with the fact, like, reckoning with all the sort of, all the microaggressions that he's uh, put his son through uh, without realizing it. um, And, like, you know, just the years of, like, assumptions and everything that, uh, you know that he has to that he's feeling feeling just you know really guilty about and then um everything that simon's dealing with um and they have this this heart to heart and um yeah it, it i mean the scene is like it's pretty on the nose in terms of just being like um all right listen up straight guys here's how to be right. you know here's how to be a good ally um, yeah. uh, but uh i think it's also a scene that really did need to be there yeah I totally agree. Um, my comedic high point... Sorry, I just realized I said way more about your high point than you did. How did it make you feel? No, you hit it on the head. There's there's so many things that you get nervous when you're watching these movies about the father figure, the male figure not accepting and turning away, and then you just have this, you have this release, you breathe more because of all the tension that was building up to that point and you realize that he is an ally and he is accepting or he wants to be he's going to try to be and then you see simon like some uh, suddenly change to something else he's he wants it to stay the same with his dad and with everyone in his family because he wants he wants to not be seen as different and the conversation they have just really enforces that and simon's you know like right as they have the heart to heart simon says so let's go work on that video where you're working on for mom and the dad's like yeah 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 yeah," and they kind of just like brush it under the rug but you know that they're stronger as a as a uh, father and son and there's just a huge release do you know what i'm kind of talking about here yeah yeah totally um but it's important to note as well that it's not a binary uh by any means like it's not either you're intolerant or you're totally tolerant like you can tell that um, you know this this father. He's got a lot of work to do. Right. Um, That's what I'm saying. You, he's like he wants to. Yeah. Right. And you hope that he's going to be able to, um, you know, continue to um, be, you know, just learn how to be more sensitive, uh, not just for his son, but just in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's. It's. A, it's also a very funny movie. It was. It had me cracking up. Um, I was trying to think about my highest my favorite joke because i can normally think of it but not tonight sorry everyone okay that was love simon the uh the sequel to love actually just kidding <laughs> i made that joke way too late in the podcast for even for it to even land oh man you caught me off guard though that that was good uh, i mean is <laughs> is love actually the the straight love simon yeah yeah. It, it love yeah i guess it's just love actually just, just from the comedy. from the love comma series <laughs> um cool Definitely think this the the sequel improved over the original which for, i'm so happy for to see. sticking with that joke um so would you suggest this movie to a friend aaron yeah absolutely it's just a really nice movie and i know you know everyone's gonna have different um you know different level of reaction to it like how much you relate to it versus um, you know what problems you see in it but definitely just go see it because like i don't know there, there's not that many just really nice teen movies and and especially for it to be you know so timely in talking about uh about lgbtqia issues yep it's good it's yeah. a good movie go see it i i i'm 100 percent there with you i agree 
Okay, that was Love, Simon. Let's talk about what is coming up. Aaron, can you guess what five movies are coming out this weekend? Ooh, okay. I know we, we so normally we don't talk about them beforehand because... Uh, I was going to let you just take it. I was going to let you just knock them all out of the park. <laughs> oh, but I don't even know if I still remember them because oh, okay. it's been an hour since we were talking about them. Yeah. But we did kind of have to go through and review them as we were making our predictions. Yeah. Um, but let me see if I can get them all. So uh, we've got Pacific Rim Uprising with Boom. your boy John Boyega. Mm-hmm. Um, He's both a John and a boy. Where's Ray? And an Ega. <laughs> Lego my Ega. Yeah. Do you think his face is going to be as wet in this uh, in this movie? <laughs> it has to be. Those, those uh, what do they call the machines? The Jaegers? Jaegers. Those Jaegers just live in the ocean, essentially. <laughs> That's true. Stomping into the, stomping into the, the drop-offs. <laughs> just start swinging. Yeah. How many scenes of him, like, lifting his head up out of frame and like panting heavily <laughs> like when they crash land on jakku essentially right <laughs> yeah yep yeah star wars uh, the sweaty faces the wet faces yeah uh no uh sorry uh sherlock gnomes is another movie that's coming out that's right if you haven't seen the trailer um treat yourself <laughs> i mean no <laughs> Just hearing the title Sherlock Gnomes is going to tell you a lot. Gnomeo and Juliet 2 Sherlock Gnomes. Right. But that it's just been marketed as right. Sherlock Gnomes. Right. I, I don't want people to get it confused that it's it's a sequel to the blockbuster hit Gnomeo and Juliet. Right. Which the movie is based off a fucking pun, which is just terrible in my opinion. Right. And Gnomeo and Juliet are still characters in this. Correct. But, yeah. but they've added Sherlock Gnomes. Yes. Yes. Um, sadly not they should have just gotten Benedict Cumberbatch to voice Sherlock Gnomes <laughs> what if he played Sherlock Holmes but just as a gnome and he was like the exact same character and there's no comedy in it I guess you can use the high intelligence and sociopath qualities of Sherlock but yeah I mean depending on the episode Sherlock had a good amount of comedy um, okay anyway those are two movies that are coming out there mm-hmm. are three others holy cow Okay, one of them that I just saw the trailer for uh, was the movie Unsane. Right. Which is like some low-budget horror movie, but it's coming out in 2,000 theaters. So that's going to be a real wild card of how it's going to do. Yep. Um, there's also the religious epic Paul, Apostle of Christ. Yep. Uh, so we're actually we're going to have two, um, two like Christian movies that are out in the box, like, near the top of the box office at the same time because I can only imagine it's still going to be up there. So interesting how that's going to, you know, how is that going to split the audience? We'll see. Um, okay, how many have I done? I've done four. four. Okay, I'm missing one. Shit. Um, what is the genre of it? It's a drama. Oh, uh, Midnight Sun. Yep. A movie right. we know nothing about. With Patrick Schwarzenegger. Patty Schwartz. Uh, cool. All right, that's all the movies that are coming out. There's so many. There's five. Five wide releases in one weekend. And then there's one limited release that we're stoked for. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. I think the, that made both our number ones, right? Um, yes, yeah, it was. Uh, this is Isle for Dogs. Um, reviews have been really good. 
Uh, right now it's sitting at, I think, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, which is quite good. Uh, I have seen a lot of people pointing out, oh, shit, yeah. nice. So it's gone back up since yeah. I last checked. Um, I think that, you know, there's some valid concerns and a lot of people have problems with sort of the role that um, that Japan takes, like Japanese culture takes in this story that's like being created by and for uh predominantly white people um so we'll see it, what we think about that but really hoping to see this movie it just yep. looks so delightful <clears throat> yeah yep uh and then that's all five so what do you think is gonna wh- how do you think these are all gonna shake out next weekend uh i made my predictions uh i've got number one pacific rim uh, uprising i think that's finally gonna be the one that takes out black panther uh Number two is going to be Black Panther. I've got Sherlock Gnomes coming in third. Uh, and then fourth, Tomb Raider. And fifth, I've got A Wrinkle in Time holding in there. So that means I think the other three new releases are not going to be able to crack that top five. Uh, but, John, what do you have? I've got Parks and Rec, PNR at number one, a.k.a. Pacific Rim Uprising. Number what? two. <laughs> that was such a fucking stretch. <laughs> I wrote down PNR and I was like, Parks and Rec. Um, that's okay. what well, that's what I'll be watching next week. Uh, number two, Sherlock Gnomes. I, I think that the kids' movie Sherlock Gnomes is gonna uh, is gonna rocket itself up there. Number three is gonna be Black Panther. Number four is Tomb Raider. Number five is uh, I can only imagine. Um, I'm not so sure about the last three, uh, last two, four and five. I took a stab at it, and that's what I came up with. Yeah, again, with this week, with so many new releases coming oh out, God. it is really hard to predict. So we'll see if we get any of them right. Yeah. Uh, but we are tied right now. Let's uh, yeah. remember that. We're... And uh, just keep that, you know, uh, whether or not that's that's actually true, we're just going to canonize that right now from this point forward. And we have the power to we've canonize. We've been tied. <laughs> yeah. That, that is fifth best movie podcast canon. <laughs> I've never had that kind of power to canon something. That's great. What else can we canon? Let's just start can- uh one thing that we can canon is the <laughs> uh Greatest Showman had a canon in it. Fucking <laughs> dynamite. Uh <laughs> nice. Um so this has been the fifth best movie podcast, the Love Simon version. Uh Seriously, go see the movie. It is it is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Um, I have nothing else to say. Aaron, what about you? I've said too much already. <laughs> Let's go. Awesome. My name is John. I'm Aaron. Have a good one.